0: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork Scream!
0: And by the way,
2: there is a weather warning in operation for us here in Cork. For Met Eireann, is status yellow rain uh, warning? They're saying uh, rainfall accumulations will from heavy showers or longer spells of rain today and overnight uh, could lead to some spot flooding. They're also forecasting some thunderstorms, and that status yellow rain warning in place since 7 o'clock this morning and it remains in place for 24 hours they don't normally give us that long a rain status yellow rain warning but for the full 24 hours until 7 o'clock uh, tomorrow morning so be careful because I even noticed this morning as I was coming to work because of the amount of rain I think that fell yesterday afternoon there was some very very heavy downpours and yesterday evening and again some must have been more heavy downpours overnight some of the drains literally not able to take it and I suppose at this time of the year when we're into autumn with the leaves falling off the trees, the drains can get blo- blocked up very, very quickly and you c- I could see in a very short little commute to work this morning, there was locks of water in some areas so please be extremely careful and by the way, we've no, no death notices at this hour. Uh, Bernie's taking your calls, Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Bernie is of course sitting in for John Paul uh, all this week you can text her WhatsApp the programme if there's anything you want to share with us 86 103, 103 and obviously the in all of the newspapers again and what most people seem to be talking about is the cost the rising cost of energy and energy consumption and what can we do to cut our energy consumption And I was even in the building here at work I was upstairs in the, in where our canteen is and I was sitting. I'll do my bit now as I left. I switched off all the lights. I think that's something we're just going to all start getting used to. We're certainly all going to start doing it more often at home but I think we're probably going to be encouraged to do it at work today and if you are a public sector worker I think that's very much going to be the order of the day. It seems in the papers today public sector workers are facing the temperature in their office bin controlled. That seemingly is one of the parts of the government's plan to try to reduce energy use within the public sector. Government leaders meeting today to finalise what they're saying is a strategy to significantly reduce energy consumption. Now, this is as both Sustainable Energy Ireland, the SEAI, and the Climate Change Advisory Council, they're both issuing separate but very bleak warnings about our growth in admissions and the impact of the energy crisis. One government source is quoted as saying one measure being examined is keeping the heat at a certain temperature in all of the public buildings over the coming months. The public sector will also be urged to do things like heat certain floors where people are working rather than heating the the whole building. They'll be encouraged to keep all the doors closed, to keep the heat in. There's talks of turning off public lighting of state buildings. Now that's already happening in Germany so that's something that's also going to be uh, considered and the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan, he is expected to present this memo to the Taoiseach Mihal Martin and to the Thánaiste today. The proposals put forward to help reduce the use in energy will also be based on evidence from the SEAI on what is deemed most appropriate by those who know the best. So Source says the memo will likely have some suggestions and measures that will be taken by the public sector, similar to what has already been suggested in France and in Germany. So we're not the only country doing it. But in Ireland, it obviously is going to be more appropriate when it comes to heating over the next uh, few months. The coalition leaders' meeting today, of course, that comes ahead of Eamon Ryan travelling to Brussels on Friday when all of EU energy uh, ministers, they're all meeting because they're discussing the energy crisis, because, of course, the, the energy crisis we are facing, it's not just in this country. It is right across Europe and indeed right across the world. But the SEAI, this is on emissions and God, we haven't spoken about emissions in quite some time. They say emissions from energy has now rebounded to 2019 levels back to the way it was before the pandemic. They say uh, emissions went up by 5.4% last year. Now, that was despite a commitment that we would have a reduction of 4.8% every year from 2021 to 2025. So instead of getting anywhere near the reduction, we actually went up over 5%. Uh, percent. Uh, it was obviously resurgent in car use after COVID-19 uh, restrictions and people going back into the office. And they were saying all of that had a significant contributor to the increased uh, emissions. But I think when we look at any of the other years during the pandemic, when you look at admissions, of course, emissions were going to be lower because less people were going to, well, less were going to work. At one stage, we couldn't go two kilometres beyond our own homes. So, of course, there was going to be less cars and trucks and vans. Out there, so emissions were going to go down. Now, increased energy demand combined with modest delivery of new renewable capacity. And, of course, we we had a low wind year last year. That all resulted in Ireland's renewable energy share remaining static. Again, they'd hoped that that would increase, but it remained the same at 13.6%. The low wind year, and there isn't really a lot we can do about making the wind blow, but the low wind year, what did that result in? Well, it resulted in us using more coal. It, It resulted in us using more oil in order to generate electricity. And that, obviously, then went on to further add to the transport levels. Now, a couple of experts are quoted in the paper, including a transport uh, expert at Trinity College, Brian Caulfield. He says that the emissions rebound shows the importance of urgently beginning projects like Cork's light rail system. You know, the theory being, if you want to get people out of cars, then you need to make sure that there's good public transport. He said even then, the 2030 emissions reduction targets of 51%, he said that is some way off. He said, given that we're in a climate and a biodiversity emergency, a greater input cost is now required to deliver high quality public transport into our systems. But even if they started in the morning, uh, construction on a light rail transport system for Cork City, how many years is that going to actually take? You know, you've got to factor that in as well. An air quality expert, the from University College uh, Cork Professor John Sado. I'm sure we've spoken with John before in the programme. He said uh, people are caught between a rock and a hard place when it comes to energy use. He said what a lot of people are faced with. Now a lot of people are going to identify with what John has to say. He says people have to choose between heat or choose with health. They either have to light fires and go on to pollute the local air or else if they go with putting on the central heating using oil or gas. He said they're going to end up with huge bills. He said burning fires at home will be a huge setback to public health this winter as people turn to wood and fossil fuels to heat their homes instead of using gas or oil. And sadly, he says, just as the national ban on the sale of burning smoky coal and wet wood and peat is coming into regulation, we've got a war situation going on in uh, Ukraine. He said that's knocked all of the pieces off the board. He said the sale of wood Is soaring. He said, so are the sale of wood stoves. He said, it's already becoming clear that it will become the fuel of choice in Ireland this winter. And he, obviously, he's coming at it from an air pollution point of view, said that's not good for any of us. But I I do think he's hit the nail on the head. People will be be deciding between heat and health. People won't want to die of hypothermia. They're going to have to need to heat their homes somehow. Everything is going up in price and I I am not surprised to hear him say that the sale of wood is soaring or that wood stoves there's an, and also an increase in the number of people going for wood stoves because anecdotally I would have heard a lot of people that I know that certainly have open fires. All of them are talking about trying to get and trying to stockpile as much wood as they can because that they know that the price of coal is going so high and when the smoky coal uh, comes in in areas where it isn't already and that's more expensive and, and people are saying, well, what's the other option? Need to have the fire. They might have a fire with a back burner. There are a lot of people have the wood stoves. Wood stoves, by all accounts, throw out fantastic heat. People are going to start using more and more wood and then it just adds to that problem of our our air uh, pollution and it certainly will add to our emissions. 0818 it's like a perfect storm is it not? 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Uh, Martin in West Cork, how many millimetres of rain is due to fall between now and 7am tomorrow morning, Patricia? I don't know and I've checked in with Metair and, well I've checked in with their warnings for Cork, the Statter Yellow Rain Warning for Cork and Waterford and they just say that there, the rainfall accumulation uh, will lead to spot flooding so it doesn't say how many millimetres of rain will uh, fall but if you're in West Cork you'd be hoping for uh, a lot to fill up the reservoirs uh, more than anything because of course uh, we know that there are water restrictions and a hosepipe ban seems to be crazy, doesn't it? Even hear that there's a hosepipe ban in operation at the moment in uh, West Cork. And then when I mentioned about the drains, and I noticed the number of drains that were blocked on my way to work this morning, two people back to back texts coming in pointing out the same thing. Ross says lack of drain maintenance again. That's what's making roads dangerous and flooding a risk. And someone else says bring back the man with the shovel for the drains. There wouldn't be any blocked drains then and that's signed by an ex councilman who knows what he is talking about Thank you for that, good to have you along And John in North Cork, this is on energy and energy conservation and what the government are going to look at today for public sector workers are going to try and control the heat that's in the office, get people to all work on one floor, keep the doors closed to keep the heat in, turn off the lights on public buildings when there's no, no one in there, anything at all to conserve energy. John in North Cork is wondering what about the county boards that play matches under lights when we have an energy crisis? John is wondering, will that be looked at? 0818103103. Our lines are open. Cork today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Now due to the rising costs of doing business our hospitality sector could start to look very different with some businesses only opening part-time or some may even consider only opening for the summer season To chat about how hotels and pubs are getting on I'm joined by Neil Grant of the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross-Garbury but firstly I'm joined from the Cork Vintners Federation by their chair, uh, Michael O'Donovan. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, uh, And you're welcome. I saw a quote last week that across Cork alone, as many as 300 pubs could close or reduce their opening times this winter. What are you hearing directly from your members?
3: Yeah, look, last night we had a big function here in Cork our first in three years uh, for the Winter Federation. And, you know, publicans last night, it was the topic of conversation, the energy costs. Uh, the rising costs associated with it, um, and look, the big fear is whatever we've seen to now uh, on the first of October when bills will even go up. You know, somewhere by twenty-five, thirty percent. That will be the big, um, I suppose, game changer, and we'll see uh, pubs having to make decisions about you know the leaner days, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and um, when they open because they'll have to sit down and I suppose do their calculations. Um, and I would say, you know the way things are looking, uh, we're putting a lot of hopes on what happens on the budget on the 27th of September uh, to give clarity and, I suppose, give help to those businesses because without it, um, you know, a lot of people, if if premises aren't open for three days, you know, there'll be a lot of people not employed for those days. So it causes uh, knock-on effects for the exchequer. So, you know, we're, we're, we're really hoping that the government step up And help, you know, small to medium businesses in this budget on the 27th of September.
2: But the theory being, if you're not that busy on the Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it's hard to justify heating a pub and turning the lights on.
3: Yeah, look, we're, you know, we've been very lucky. The Summer has been great, really, the weather. You know, it's only in the last 48 hours we've seen a big change with the weather. Um, Like last night, lights were on at four or five o'clock in the evening. And um, yesterday was the first day that most places would have probably put on the heating in a, in a while. So, you know, the bills uh, now for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen jumps in prices, but we haven't been using, I suppose, full capacity energy. But from, I suppose, if this weather continues, what we've had yesterday and today, and with another yellow warning for today and tomorrow, you know, uh, energy is going to be a lot higher. So obviously costs associated with that is going to be a lot higher. And if your turnover isn't increasing, you know, it doesn't take a a rocket science. Yeah, yeah,
2: because I've been seeing, I I think every single day on the paper, I'm seeing someone in the hospitality sector uh, quoted eye-watering bills for electricity and gas during July and August. I mean, literally eye-watering bills.
3: Yeah, look, I suppose in the the fitness side of it, we had an affinity deal with Electric Ireland, so people were on you know, fourteen to eighteen cents a unit. Um, those deals have all finished over the last, you know, six weeks you could say. And we've seen bills now going up to, you know, between thirty six and forty four cent a unit. So, so people's bills obviously have taken a huge jump in the last few weeks. And as I said, on the first of October, they're even going to jump more when uh, the new price rise has come into effect. So you know, it's going to put even more pressure on businesses in the coming weeks and months ahead if the governments don't do something on the 27th to try and help those businesses.
2: And are suppliers no longer locking in deals with the industry?
3: Yeah, because, look, we've obviously, um, from Vintners Federation's viewpoint, we've been meeting energy suppliers the last number of months. And, um, you know, what they're telling us is they don't even know what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months ahead. So there's no point in doing a deal because whatever deal we do, uh, could be null and void in you know six weeks time. So there's they're they're just not um, they're not willing to do a deal at the moment. They just don't know what the future holds on the futures market of of the gas supply side of things which dictates everything uh for the energy consumption.
2: Michael, will this winter be more difficult than even the COVID lockdowns?
3: Well if where we're standing now looking forward, absolutely it looks like it's going to be a lot more challenging because you know, when we were in COVID lockdown, all businesses were closed. They were asleep, you know, so that even though there was small bills coming in, um, there, it wasn't anything like what we're facing in the next number of weeks and months ahead. And I think it's the uncertainty that we don't know about because, you know, you can plan um, to have your, you know, whatever level of uh, energy consumption you have. But if it's a bad winter, you know, heating is on in, in hospitality for, you know, it could be on 15, 16 hours of the day. So you just can't plan for what's going to come. And obviously the associated costs with that are going to be a huge concern.
2: OK, it's worrying, worrying times ahead. I'm going to let you go because I'm watching the clock and I know you've been meeting at, at half past ten. So we appreciate you talking to us, uh, Michael. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm now going to go to uh, Neil Grant, who is the general manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Good morning to you, Neil. Good
1: morning. Now, How are you,
2: Patricia? I, I'm very well, thank you. I actually mentioned you on air last week because I was talking about your tweet about your July electricity bill for the hotel nearly two and a half times what it would have been in July of uh, 2019, pre the, uh, the pand- pand- pandemic. That's simply not sustainable, is it?
1: No, it's not. Um, I think just to give a different perspective again, 2021 uh, electricity bill of €8,320 Euro, uh we actually used 3,300 odd units less this year than that year, and this year's bill is 18,262. So that that nearly 10,000 uh, increase year on year, if you just take it from last year, was actually in less consumption. So it wasn't that we we had let uh, let the run of ourselves go, and we'd we'd been um, had a massive electricity consumption. Hence, that was part of the reason. So it's, it's rather kind of sobering figures when you look at it.
2: And what Michael was saying about the energy companies not locking in a deal, I'm assuming that's the same, yeah. is it, for hotels?
4: Yeah,
1: he, he just, he's just summed it up perfectly. Uh, I do know there's there's some hotels that are still in a contract for the next few months. Uh, so they're anxiously looking down the, the line and going, you know, knowing that they're uh, their their contract is is up. Uh, from our personal perspective, we were in a different contract which finished on the first of July, and that's why it's been so marked, marked this uh, this last couple of months that our our price has changed. Uh, but we're like many others. There's for for the one or two that have uh, still have their contract for a couple of months at the older rates, uh, which were very much what Michael had mentioned there. um, then there's there's definitely. Uh, you know, fivefold more or tenfold more that that are out of contract and, and facing what I'm facing.
2: Yeah, because I even see in today's paper, I think it was in the, uh, the Irish Times, they were quoting, you know, one hotel in Dublin, their electricity bill, 29,000 up to 58,000, their gas bill, 31,000 up to uh, 70,000 and a hotel in Cork, ten thousand up to forty two thousand when they went yeah. out of contract. I mean just simply not sustainable. What is your fear though, Neil? Could we have a situation where we will only literally have a summer season for some hotels and they literally will be closed in the wintertime?
1: Yeah, that that that's that's I think the worry and, and I think that's what we've got to avoid. I think um I'm just about to go into a Falter Island meeting there and uh, you know, Fulte Ireland did a lot of work a number of years ago about seasonality and regionality, which was about extending seasons, making the tourism season all year round viable, and, and also trying to get business all over the country, not just to the hotspots, which was the perfect model to try and, uh, you know, kind of give people a great experience. But what you're faced with at the moment, is some corners of the country, a bit like West Cork, where places will just close because it's not, as you say, they analyse it and go, is it worth us bringing staff in to add those extra two days? Or, you know, to be honest, we can't afford to open up because we'll not make any money. What's the point? So then you'll find that even if we did stay open all year round, then where do you send people for an experience? Where do they go for, you know, to get a bit of crack in the pub or music or where do they go? to have a meal on a Monday-Tuesday, and do they then get a great experience? And the sad thing is, I think there's plenty of people that would love to travel to Ireland in the winter, um, but it's just, uh, we're building, we're, we're facing a model where it's unsustainable for four months of the year.
2: And in your own hotel, Neil, are you trying to be as energy efficient as possible?
1: Yeah, we're, we're in the process of um, a, a retrofitting project, which, to be honest, We'd hoped would be ready by now, and it's not. Um, and I think that 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 technically the the theory of that is that it should vastly reduce our electricity consumption, but it's 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 not up and running. So for every month that's it's not up and running, we're losing another ten thousand euros in, in theory. Um, but we are working towards it. In terms of the the lighting, we've gone through and changed everything out to LED as much as we possibly can. We have a pool cover for the pool at night time to ensure that that holds the, the heat. We've got a green team meeting this afternoon to kind of ramp it up to the next level and to say, right, what's our next focus that we need to? But we are, I think, we're pretty active. You can always be more active on the energy efficiency side. Um, but we're every time we purchase a new, new piece of equipment in the kitchen, I talk to the company about, you know, what's the best, Piece of equipment in terms of energy as well as you know what's the you know what's the price um, and so I I think that we're we're active but uh, we'll we'll just have to uh, yeah get them, oh, and know,
2: really and, set and up. like what Michael said are you all waiting to see what the government are going to do at the end of the month with the budget
1: yeah there's going to have to be some sort of support packages uh, uh, how how they come about them I don't know but they can't just ignore this and think that the market will work itself out and. You know the, the the energy in particular. We we've got to see uh, something to to kind of uh, give us something to you know be positive about for the for the winter to make life a bit easy uh, or easier. Um, so yeah, we, we're kind of hedging our bets that they they listen to the challenges, and it's in every industry. It's not just about hospitality.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it's, yeah. I, I mean, I I said at the start, it's 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 the cost of doing business in in every single uh, sector and the big worry if we are if we do end up in the hospitality sector that's only open in the summer months the big problem there or even reduced opening hours hanging on to staff Neil will be an issue
1: That's been one of the biggest challenges this year the staffing and so you're yeah you're right you, you don't want you want to protect your team at all costs because if you've put effort in then we've got a great team so we want them to be with us next year um, but if it becomes difficult to trade and to maintain the hours, or I, what I'm more worried away is that we, we trade, but then you expect too much of too little, mm. uh, of too few, and so they then they're, they're under too much pressure. So I think uh, you know our teams are the most important thing. After everything we've been through, we need every support to 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 give them a great working environment and certainly operating under the constraints that we are at the moment is is a difficult and stressful working environment.
2: OK, I know the children are all back in school. Are there still tourists uh, around West Cork at the moment?
1: Yeah, we've, we've got a good week this week with uh, a US tour group and a UK tour group and uh, we've got a planned gathering with uh, people travelling from the US and such like. So, the overseas market wants to come to Ireland and they don't mind about the weather so <laughs> um, they are around but it's definitely the footfall versus uh, two weeks ago is vastly different there's no doubt about that
2: Okay that's the staycationers they're certainly gone home which, which clan is arriving for a clan gathering?
1: Uh, the Crowley clan The so, Crowley clan uh, <laughs> Yeah so, uh, <laughs> There's a lot
2: There's a lot of Crowleys around Cork for yeah. sure Listen uh, Neil pleasure as always to talk to you Thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us not of so other. Uh, good morning to you. That is Neil Grant General Manager of the Celtic Ross uh, Hotel uh, really between himself and Michael Donovan from the Vintners not painting the prettiest of pictures of what our hospitality sector could look like uh, going forward and it will affect everyone. It will obviously affect the overseas tour- tourists if places, if they can't book places and places aren't open but it will also it will also, the knock on effect will be for everybody if you want to go out for, for lunch, if you want to go out for a dinner, if you want to have a little bit of a family gathering you may suddenly uh, discover into the winter months that there's no place open to facilitate it. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103, 103.
1: Court today on C one oh
2: three. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. O eight six two one oh three one oh three. Now with outbreaks of avian flu confirmed in the wild bird population in the north of Ireland, how concerned do we need to be about bird flu? and the devastation that it can cause in both wild and farmed birds. Fianna Fáil West Cork Joel Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan joins me with his uh, concerns. Good morning to you, Christopher. Morning, Patricia. And, and and
5: listen, just just before we, we go on to the avian flu, I just wanted to say I, I couldn't help but um, listen in and be um, compelled by listening to the previous conversation you had there with Neil and Michael in relation to how energy prices are impacting small businesses. And I just, I just want to say that, look, uh, as, as a corkso West TD, I'll certainly be doing everything I possibly can to advocate for a really good, strong support package for um, businesses and for the hospitality sector and even for, for um, domestic users as well to ensure that um, all options are looked for, whether, looked at, whether that's support package, whether that is price capping, whether it's perhaps a rate freeze for businesses just wanted to say that because um, okay because that, i mean some different.
2: of those some of those energy bills as i say every single day i open the paper there's another uh, particularly the service industry uh, there's another business with just i mean unsustainable
5: well, completely unsustainable, and Neil has quite out, uh, has been excellent at outlining how uh, the energy price increases have impacted uh, what is a really successful business in the in the Celtic Cross Hotel in in Carberry. But I was speaking to another business recently. I won't I won't mention the business, but very successful again, uh, food and uh, uh, pub business. Their double monthly bill, so their bill every two months, went from six thousand euro, um, and the latest two monthly bill is twenty five. Euro, that's nearly a fivefold increase. And what's really worrying for me is, is the, the, the rate at which uh, price energy prices are going right across the globe. Um, it, it's only going to get worse. So we're going to have to have the biggest intervention in the history of the state really to try and ensure that businesses remain open because... You know they say that a reduction in demand uh, will uh, sort out the energy crisis. Well, we don't want that reduction in demand to come from business closing. So, I just wanted to to, to say that, having okay. listened to Neil and Michael there. That's yeah, and it isn't,
2: uh, it isn't it is impossible hard. for businesses to pass on those increases no, to customers because they'll they'll no go they, out of business that way.
5: They've already had uh, the rate of inflation to deal with. and They've already had to try and manage passing on those prices to ensure that they didn't, uh, you know, price themselves out of the market. But yeah, I mean, look, Neil mentioned another possible solution there, but it's more long term, and that is proper retrofitting grants for businesses so that there isn't so much demand on energy. But in the meantime, we're going to have to seriously look at things like price caps, things like windfall taxes on the energy companies that are making substantial profits at the moment. Um, and also uh, things like perhaps rate freezing like we did during the pandemic which worked successfully so uh, you know
2: hopefully
5: those options will be looked
2: at Okay and before we get to the avian flu something else I want to ask you about because I heard I'm sure I heard you on the news uh, our own news service about this and this is your call not to reduce the number of beds at Bantry's Centre for Mental Health Care and Recovery what's going on there?
5: Yeah um, something that really really concerns me because Look, this government has talked repeatedly about backing mental health services, funding mental health services, increasing mental health services. Yet at the same time, here we have a recommendation from um, the Mental Health Commission um, requesting uh, or putting a condition on Bantry General Hospital to reduce the number of acute beds in their mental health recovery centre from 18 down to 11 Um, No. This is very concerning. We have invested as a government in mental health services. We're, we're going to see a new CAMs unit open in Clannacilty uh, very shortly. But at the same time, um, on the other hand, we're looking at a reduction in beds in Bantry. We know the importance of uh, proper, proper mental health service. We know the importance of proper uh, mental health um, right throughout West Cork. There's a demand there. We're seeing an increased demand during the pandemic and post-pandemic. And it seems absolutely ludicrous that the Mental Health Commission would, go around, uh, would, would, would then go along and recommend a reduction in beds. Now, I've spoken to um, the uh, uh, CH04, which is the uh, Southwest uh, Hospital Group, to ask them what their plan is. Their plan is to fight this recommendation, which I welcome. They're going to fight it to uh, try and ensure that they keep the 18 beds. My, uh, my understanding is they have already appealed this condition that has been put on by the Mental Health c- Condition. Um, and I would welcome that appeal, but I would welcome that they would fight it even further. They need to make changes, obviously, to the service there. There's an issue, I understand, according to the Mental Health Commission, with the communal space, that is, the space within the unit uh, that the um, patients can use as a community area. Um, That isn't big enough, um, and it isn't good enough, according to the Mental Health Commission, and also the actual individual um, rooms themselves. In some instances, we're seeing there might be three beds to a particular room, um, what the Mental Health Commission is asking for is that anywhere where there's three beds that it will be reduced to two, anywhere there's two beds that it would be reduced to one. This seems to way that, be the way that HICWA uh, and healthcare is going, which is absolutely fair enough. And that, that means we need urgent investment in a, in a proper purpose-built unit in Bantry. But in the meantime, uh, while that is happening, while that investment is happening, we cannot see... Now
2: build on. Build sure. on. If you, if you need more space, uh, build on. Um, and what, what I, I often frustrates me when these reports come out and I accept that these reports are done, you know, to give the best service and in this case, the best psych- psychiatric service available. Do they speak with the residents? Do they speak with the patients who use these beds? I mean, we've been fighting for in East Cork with the, the Onacara Mental Health uh, Facility and the family members of the people who've been living there. You know, nobody talks to the people who use the service to say, well, you know, how bad has it been for you?
5: And speaking to, and you absolutely hit the nail on the head there, there's not enough communication with the service users, with the families of the service users, but furthermore, uh, people who know extremely well how these units work and how they best operate are the staff. And speaking to it was actually a former staff member who brought this to my attention uh, yesterday. It really, really alarmed me and really concerned me. They were not consulted with either. Staff haven't been consulted with. It seems to be these reports are done and uh, just a kind of a walkabout level. There's no proper inquisition or interviews done in order to get to the bottom of it. Look, if improvements need to be made, then absolutely, CHO4, um, Bantry, um, uh, the, the unit there in Bantry, they need to make those improvements to ensure that patients get the best care possible. But what I also think was uh, that that the Mental Health Commission failed to take into account, and this is always the situation with Bantry, Patricia, is the unique geographical nature yeah, of
2: Absolutely, 100%. Keep, keep us updated on that. Now back to, to the bird uh, flu and, and the reason that you're um, we've invited you to join us on the programme, I saw a video that you put up online of a, of a gannet that was in distress on Inchidani Beach. Talk to me about that and what you actually saw.
5: Yeah, so look uh, on Sundays for a bit of a break from politics which it's no secret that I go and immerse myself in wildlife my so I was in the Inchidani area which is very close to, to where I live um, and you, know, you Scanning the estuary there, which can be fantastic for for wild birds and for bird spotting. Um, and I know that this gannet really where it shouldn't be. Uh, gannets are a, a very much a pelagic bird, which means they specialize being out at sea fishing. I mean, they're one of the most iconic species that we have here in Ireland. You can they they do this what they call an inverted crucifix, where they dive deep into the water for fish. Um, and in in Ireland, we have uh, you know two of the most important gannet colonies uh, in all of Europe. In Skelligs and Little Skellig, um, which is when you look at Skellig from a distance, it looks like it's snow capped, and that's from the gannets from um, uh, the, the from from the because of their white color, uh, but also on Salties as well. There's another important colony, so these are birds that you should really be seeing when you're out at sea, or if you're looking out into the distance at sea. So I knew straight away that this bird shouldn't be where it was, which was in the middle of the estuary. And then what was really heartbreaking and incredibly hard to watch is that I was, as I was observing this bird, bird, um, it was trying its best to take off but it would fly maybe 10 metres or so and then it would crash land um, and it looked completely disorientated. It looked uh, lethargic and these are two of the classic signs um, of bird flu. So, uh, you know, I, I, I took to Twitter and, and posted this because I feel, um, and, and thankfully your show is, is beginning to do this, I feel there needs to be a, a public awareness campaign about avian flu, the fact that it is now here in Ireland. It has decimated... Wild bird populations, uh, unfortunately, in in the UK over in the UK, particularly seabirds, and the reason it impacts seabirds more is that seabirds tend to um, breed in large colonies on, on uh, things like rocks and on cliff edges. So it it it, it spreads rapidly uh, through them. So you know, and 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 the concerning thing then from a, a food production point of view is that this also impacts um, poultry farming and uh, those who are rearing uh, poultry so this you know we really need to take this seriously we need to follow the advice that's out there and try to do everything we can to ensure that the spread of this really shocking um, avian flu is is stemmed as much as we can.
2: And there has been cases confirmed in Kerry?
5: There has been cases confirmed in Kerry um, and you know, there's officially been cases confirmed but speaking to the, the, the network of birders and bird watchers out there and, and wildlife enthusiasts Um, It it seems that it's worse than at first thought Um, in the Little Skellig Conley. There seems to be uh, quite a few uh, cases, but, you know, it has been confirmed in wild birds um, uh, throughout Ireland. So it is spreading. And, you know, in recent weeks in particular, we're seeing a spate and an increase of people who are taking pictures of marabond or um, dead or dying. Uh, Gannets in particular, but other seabirds as well that have uh, either washed up ashore or, or... in places where they shouldn't be and behaving uh, like they shouldn't be behaving, uh, where they're disorientated and lethargic and dizzy. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it, there's absolutely no doubt about it, Patricia, avian flu is here. In uh, Ireland
2: and and, 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 and it, the, the advice is, is to report it if you do come across a dead or a dying bird. And also the advice is don't touch it.
5: Yeah, don't touch it because for obvious reasons, t- touching it will um, potentially uh, lead to a potential spread and it could lead to it being brought back to perhaps poultry farms or even onto other uh, wild birds so there's a reporting mechanism there uh, there's a, a hotline uh, which i think is probably the best way to report it and, and that hotline for for listeners who are taking out it's zero one six zero seven two five one two. that's 016072512 um, and there's also an avian check app on the department of agriculture website and that's very simply if you google avian check that's another method of of um of uh, reporting but like what I'm calling for from government and I was speaking to Malcolm Noonan who's the minister responsible for, for NPWS National Parks and Wildlife Service is that we just need to take this more seriously it's only now that it's starting to I suppose garner some attention and um, we, we need to do everything possible from number one protecting our wild bird species I mean as I said gannets, puffins these are some of the most iconic species that we associate with Ireland that we protect them but also you have the, the poultry farms as well which uh, we know are are big employers and are, are important to our food sector. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons that we need to sit up and take note of, of, of this disease. And we just do not want to see a situation like has happened in, in the in the UK. I mean, it's a bit more difficult because you're talking about flying, migrating birds. It's, it's, it's not something that's easy to, to stem from that point of view. But we have we have a history here in Ireland of very successfully stopping the spread of these diseases. For example, I think the late Joe Walsh was very famous for how he dealt with uh, foot and mouth. Um, and and measures he put in place, I think we need a similar type of um, measures here.
2: Okay, because it would absolutely it could it could devastate, couldn't it, food producers and, and farmers?
5: Yeah, food. Like I mean, there, there, there's the whole wildlife and wild bird aspect, which you know it's close to a lot of people's heart. But um, with we have quite an important poultry sector here, particularly in in, in West Cork. We had eggs, uh, chicken rearing. Um, you know, uh, even some of our uh, very well known cottage industries that uh, specialize in, in duck and smoked duck, etc., like that. It's, it's something that we really, really need to be cognizant of and be careful of to ensure that uh, that it doesn't have a devastating effect on, on industry either. So, there's, you know, it. it ironically, I guess that's where it, it holds them from originally. It, it, it was in um, domesticated and uh, poultry farms uh, across Europe. I think it came from from Asia. That's how it spread. Unfortunately, that's having an impact on wild bird species, which is really, really sad and unfortunate, but we don't want to end up in a situation where we not only lose our wild bird population, particularly seabirds and those birds that uh, nest in, in colonies, but also um, the domestic uh, and the, the poultry sector as well it's very important that we protect
2: that OK all right and we leave it there Christopher thank you for that thanks, Patricia. and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the line that is uh, Fina Fall, Doll Deputy for West Cork uh, Christopher O'Sullivan 0818 103 103. Bernie is taking your calls and from Charleville actually was on to the programme to say that the I mentioned this meeting that was going to be held last night in Charleville and said so it was very well attended this was the meeting about the lack of early buses leaving Charleville to go to Cork Tralee and to Limerick, obviously, for students to get students to and from college. And we know with the, with the accommodation crisis, more and more students this year, I think, than any other year for third level are going to be uh, commuting. And Amazon says, with good attendance and they've set up a forum to try to lobby for better services for the town if somebody from that forum wants to speak to us uh, we'd be only too happy to facilitate a chat but thank you to Anna good to know that it was well attended uh, Going to check some whatsapps welcome to 0862 103. let let's take a break and we are going to news at 11 uh, we will have a piece just giving some warnings to people who pay for their electricity or gas with prepaid meters We'll be looking at that in the next hour. Now, some of your calls and comments are coming in. Let's see if we can offer advice to some of our listeners. Firstly, a lady from the West Cork area was on to us earlier was wondering if there is any update on the compensation that's going to be paid out to residents of mother and baby homes, the survivors of mother and baby homes. Remember this was announced uh, last year and it was promised that it would begin this year and here we are we're into the ninth month of this year and there has been no mention of it. I know I've been trying to keep a close eye on this uh, as well. I can't understand really what the delays are because it's very clear cut and they've set out a kind of a sliding sale of compensation depending on how long a woman would have spent in the mother and uh, baby home. Uh, So I I don't really understand and obviously the the records are there for for women who spend time in a mother and baby's home. But anyway, it does seem to be some delays. I don't quite know what it was, but we've just checked in with a solicitor who says that they're hoping it'll be at the end of this year, but they still, as as, uh, solicitors, don't have a definite date on it. So that scheme isn't opened yet, but as soon as it is, we certainly will cover it and we'll do an information piece on it and try to get as much information out to people as uh, possible because I'm assuming certainly anything I read when I first announced while some people will opt to go through a solicitor um, I'm assuming as well a lot of that you're going to be able to do yourself and you may not need to go to a solicitor and I'm hoping that they will make it as easy as possible so as of yet that particular compensation scheme isn't open but uh, we'll, let, we'll let you know so thank you uh, for your call and then somebody else was on just by WhatsApp and is wondering um, how does this listener go about contacting someone about her dog who passed away on Sunday night last after 16 years sympathies to you God knows when you lose a much loved pet after 16 years but this listener wants to he says wants to cancel my dog licence because it's up for renewal soon now I would have always assumed that if your dog passes away Dog licence then runs out. Then when the renewal comes in, you just put the renewal into the bin because you don't need to renew your dog licence because your dog has uh, passed away. But are you meant to contact the licensing? I mean, the dog licences are issued from the local authority. So if you're in the city, be Cork City Council. If you're in the county, it should be Cork County uh, Council. So does anybody know what you're meant to do? Is there a legal requirement there is a legal requirement to have a dog licence but when the dog passes away is there a requirement to contact the local authority and wh- what to, where do you contact how do you contact them and is there a, a particular department that this listener needs to get on to so if anybody can help us with that if your dog passed away what happened when the dog licence came up for renewal I just thought you would ignore it and go well I don't need that dog licence because my poor beloved Fido has passed away if anybody has advice there uh, 0818103103. John Paul taking the calls. And then Dan from Blarney. Apologies, Dan, we didn't get around to this uh, yesterday. Th- this came into us by email uh, yesterday. And this is to do with applying for the renewal of a public services card. And of course, public services card, if you're entitled to free travel, your public services card becomes your free travel pass. And Dan said, applying online to renew one of these public services cards is a complete nightmare, with photographs taken by professionals being rejected, telling people you shouldn't be wearing glasses, your eyes are shut, your mouth is open. Well, none of this is true. Similar photographs were submitted to the passport office renewal and they were readily accepted, but not accepted for the public services uh, card. While whoever programmed the welfare site needs to take a look at it, they may think it's funny, but it's not. Old age pensioners from the Cork City suburbs are obliged to make an appointment at the welfare office now moved from Clark Bridge with very few aware of that to get their free travel pass renewed. What has happened to our society? So when that came in yesterday, I spent some time yesterday afternoon taking a look online on renewing public services cards. And the first thing that came up when I went onto the website was existing public services cards, which are out of date and many of them have gone out of date because of COVID. They say on their website that they do remain valid for the purposes of collecting your social welfare payment payments and where applicable, free travel public services cards that are out of date will continue to be honoured by the National Transport Authority. So no one's going to k- get kicked off the bus or the train once you have your public services card, even if it is out of date. And then our Bernie did some further uh, research for us yesterday afternoon, and she went into the Mallow office that issues the public services cards, and they are they accept because of uh, COVID, there has been a delay with people getting them uh, updated and whatever. You can go in in person, you can make an appointment to go in in person, but as Dan says, for the city, there's only one place for people who live in the city to go. There's one in Carrigaline, I think, as well, uh, but for people, you know, it might be easier for them to apply online. But when I looked online. The photograph is very similar to the way you upload a photograph for the passport where you can take it yourself but they are you, you when you say it quite clearly says I don't think I think everyone has to take their glasses off for it then you sort of have to have that dead deadpan look and you, know, you can't be smiling and your eyes have to be opened and all of that that I'm disappointed to hear Dan that you're having problems with getting the photograph uploaded onto the public services card renewal has that happened to anybody else? Has anybody else having problems doing it online you can obviously make an appointment to go into the office but you do need to make an appointment to go into the office but is anybody else having problems particularly with the photograph part of the public service renewal but they do clearly state on their website that they are remaining valid now they will eventually start to as we move slowly out of Covid times they will I'm assuming start making appointments for people to call in are they will start encouraging people to start renewing their card online. But it's kind of one of those things that a lot of people don't even realise their public services card has gone out of date until you check the date uh, on it. Because we had somebody who contacted us to say the last time we mentioned it, they checked their public services card only to find out that it was out of date since last year. Because I thought it said on the website that kind of three months before your card is due to go out of date that you get a letter but we certainly had one listener who was adamant they never got any letter to say that their card was going out of date so anybody else having problems with renewing the public services card online but particular problems when you're trying to get the photograph because of course the photograph is contained on those cards 0818 103 103. John Paul no, it's not John Paul, it's Bernie. In for John Paul taking your calls. John in Mallow was on to us earlier to say, Eamon Rhine is stopping us doing so much. But what are the alternatives? He shut down Bord and Mona, for example, and now we're importing briquettes. And did I see the price of briquettes? I can't absolutely through the roof. But anyway, I digress. Eamon Rhine according to John, would have us all eating grass. There is more coal coming across the border from Northern Ireland than ever before. It's the big countries that are causing all of the pollution. We are a very, very small uh, country. Yeah, but as the piece that I mentioned earlier, the problem that we're now having because people are really, really struggling, there's never been such a sale in wood and wood-burning stoves and that more people are trying to, plan for the winter months ahead we see gas rising we see electricity rising we see oil rising if people timber you, you know exactly what's going to happen more and more people are going to, going to use this, which is going to completely defeat the purpose that Eamon Ryan and the Green Party have in trying to get us to reduce fossil fuels and I mentioned that Eamon Ryan will be heading to Europe on Friday isn't it? It's the meeting of all of the energy ministers that's taking place on Friday and all of the EU energy, energy ministers are meeting in what is an emergency meeting and they're trying to consider options to rein in the rising uh, prices which could include a cap on gas prices because of course it's not just us here in Ireland it's right across Europe and indeed around the world. Somebody says by WhatsApp, I'm just wondering uh, will Eamon Ryan be going on his bike to Brussels? Uh, will they? Will he lead by example? Will he be turning down the heating in the door? I'm not surprised to hear that wood stoves are selling like hotcakes at the moment as many people in the country will have lots of timber to cut especially after the storms of the last few Years, So nobody surprised to hear that there is a, a sale on on wood burning uh, stoves, but that's not good for our emissions, which is what I kicked off the program with when I was talking about our emissions and our emissions, unfortunately, have increased our car uses back to what it was before the COVID. But more worryingly, our emissions are on the rise at a time when we were trying to reduce the emissions. They're gone. It has gone the other way. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Okay, this is I'm back to school. Hi Patricia, you might have covered this already, but I'm wondering. Why, or oh why, are secondary school books changing to different editions and why does it happen so fast? I've got a lot of books here in my house and I can't use them for my second child um, and you know these books are not cheap. It's extremely annoying. Uh, is it up to the school to do this, thanking you? Well, we have, we have dealt with it before. We haven't dealt with it this year but we certainly have dealt with it before. Whenever we contact the schools and teachers about it, they have no control when a new edition of a book comes out it's, and it's frustrating because the new edition might come out and there might be an extra couple of pages on a chapter you know something else added, added into it um, and it is frustrating because these books are expensive and and but it's been a problem that we've had for many, many, many years. I mean, how many people listening to us who say sons and daughters have gone through secondary school at this stage will tell you that they probably have an attic full of books. You know, for many years, people hung on to the books. You know, or they might be useful to some someone. They might be they might one day be of use. But of course, they're not. And the minute a new edition comes out, then the old edition is just, you know, send it for recycling. It's not going to be of any use. But I think... This year, with people struggling so much with back to school uh, costs, you would think that their new editions of books is something that would be completely and totally reined in. I know there was work done from the Department of Education getting on to the book, to the school book publishers to say stop bringing out all of the new editions unless it was absolutely necessary. And, you know, you wonder at times why things like science books and why do they always need to bring out new editions? And if there has to be a new edition on a history book or a geography book, Could they not just bring out something that will be a supplement to the edition that was already there, like a smaller book you could buy with the extra chapter in it, for example? And I remember last week when we spoke with and we got so much positive reaction to it, Noreen Buckley, that wonderful principal at Mill Street National School. And she was talking to us about energy costs uh, for schools, etc. But she touched on, you know, what they're trying to do to help out their parents. Now, they do have. They're one of the schools thankfully that has the book rental uh, scheme but she was saying things like the workbooks they made a conscious decision the teachers themselves not to use workbooks and they've gone back to the old fashioned ways of using the copy books which then got me thinking do do many schools, are many schools still using the workbooks, this would be children now in primary school because they are such a waste because once the workbook is used once that then has to go straight into the bin and if you have a child coming up you know, the year after that, you are ha- you certainly gonna have to buy a new workbook for that uh, child. And listen, we were raised without workbooks, and we used the copybooks. And do you remember the copybooks? I don't even know if you can still buy them. Where you learnt your 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 penmanship, where you learned to do your joint up writing, where they where they blue and read the lines, and you to you to put your letters in between the lines, and then move up to the taller line, and then you learnt your joint up writing, and you felt so grown up when you were able to do joint up uh, writing. Why can't we go back uh, to that? We're not the worst writers in the world by not having to have uh, workbooks. And I know workbooks are not just about learning to write. They're for other subjects as well. But I don't know how many are still using workbooks. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp 0862 103 103. See 103 Jobs. Ward personnel they're recruiting all types of carpenters it's for the Cork region 021 2339120 full and part-time bus drivers D are a D1 driving license required it's for Mackey coaches and they're based in Dungourney 021 466 traffic management operatives are required for the north cork area now it's for loading and unloading equipment they're also operating a stop and go system traffic diversions etc you can phone or you can send a message to 0830208471 and full-time general operators are wanted for construction work in the cork area 022 57629 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Court today on C one oh three.
1: Call Patricia with your comment. O
2: eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Now while some families who struggle financially opt to install a pre-pay meter to pay for their gas and our electricity, they thus avoid a large bill coming in every two months. There are now concerns that some people could effectively self-disconnect themselves if they don't keep their metre topped up. Sharing the concerns of the Society of St Vincent de Paul, I'm joined by Izzy Petrie, who is Research and Policy Officer uh, with Vincent de Paul. Good morning to you, Izzy. Morning. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. I- is that literally what happens if you don't top up the metre? Do the lights simply go out?
4: Yep. so what happens is, as you described, people um, who simply you know don't have money to put more money into the Meter are effectively disconnected. And while there are some um, emergency credit measures, um, effectively what that means is if you don't have uh, money to top up for the rest of the week, uh, you know, you are effectively disconnected from your supply. And this is something that we would have definitely supported people seeing happening um, before the energy price crisis that we're currently going through. But it it is something that we're seeing more and more and uh, it's definitely going to um, affect people this winter.
2: And are you hearing from people who are using these measures telling you that their top-ups don't go as far as they did, say, this time last year?
4: Yeah, that's what we're hearing. So whereas people previously um, might have been able to get through the week with a 30 euro top up that's going up to you know 60 euros Um, and obviously we're we're in the bit of the year we're in the summer where people are using less um, gas and less electricity you know they're still those those needs that we all have every day. There's still the hot water, keeping the lights on. But obviously, as we kind of get into winter now, uh, people's kind of power needs are going to go up, and they will be feeling that more strongly uh, through the through the winter.
2: Yeah, and these are people, Izzy, on fixed incomes. You know, they have the set amount of money coming in every week. They allocate so much that goes into the meter. Suddenly, they're going to have to more than double what went into the meter. Uh mm-hmm. huh.
4: Yeah, and that's why what we need to see is a really strong response from government that that kind of recognises that, recognising the scale of the challenge that people are facing in their own kind of week to week and their own household budgets and provides really targeted support for the families and for people who simply aren't going to be able to find more room in their budget for, for that extra top up. To get them through the week. And so, what we need to see is that recognised through increases in the fuel allowance, through increases in core social welfare rates, and through making sure payments like the fuel allowance get to all the households that need it currently a group that we would be concerned about who aren't eligible for the fuel allowances people on the working family payment and so you know as we come up to the budget what we what we need to see is an announcement by government that they're going to extend that fuel allowance to everybody that needs it and increase the amounts this year so that people can afford to top up and and people who pay through bills can also afford to pay their bills as well.
2: And on the prepaid meter Izzy is that quite an expensive tariff?
4: so there's so there will be two sort of types of pre, of prepay meter that people might come across. one is called uh or is referred to as the hardship meter, so that might be people who are uh struggling financially who might be paying off arrears through their meter. And the regulator has just made a decision that people on those prepay meters will be put on the most efficient tariff, the cheapest tariff available from their supplier. So that will come through in the coming months. Um, but there's also people who just choose to use a prepay meter because that's you know, how they like to budget for their energy. Um, and so there are the same kind of protections in place there for uh, the prices on those meters.
2: And do many households in this country, or do we have any indication how many use prepaid measures?
4: Um, so there's a few hundred thousand people uh page you go customers, I believe, and uh, I think there's around 40,000 of those uh, kind of financial hardship meters that we'd call them, where people are paying back arrears through their meters. So these are significant um, kind of amounts of customers, significant numbers of people who rely on prepay meters, which is why it's really important to make sure there are those protections in place. And As, as well as those measures from government, we'd also like to see suppliers reaching out to their prepay customers and saying, look, if you're struggling to top up, if you are getting to a point where you've got no money in the meter halfway through the week, get in touch with us and we'll we'll see what we can do. We'll point you in the direction of the supports, you know, like MABS, like the social welfare office, like ourselves. And so so prepay customers also know that they can get in touch with supports as well.
2: Uh, you mentioned the uh, the Commission for the Regulation of uh, Utilities, the CRU, when they did this week publish what they said are 15 new consumer protection measures. One of them being there, the hardship one uh, would be uh, would go on on the cheapest tariff. Okay. Did they go far enough? Was there more that they, they could have done? I mean, I'm, I'm particularly thinking of the people on the prepaid ones who run out of power and then might be a couple of hours, might be a day or two without power. I mean, surely the utility companies would be aware of. They, they, you know, that they'd have the knowledge of knowing who is without power
4: for a period of time. Yeah. And, you know, there is, there is, I suppose, data behind the scenes there. And we, and one of the things we would like to do is the regulator work with suppliers to make sure that they're monitoring that data and kind of proactively reaching out to customers who are kind of using a lot less energy than usual or, or cutting off entirely, as you say, and reaching out to them to make sure that you know, they're signposting them towards help. They're offering help from the supplier. So that is something we want to see from the regulator working with suppliers as well.
2: And for people who do pay their bills uh, every two months and people absolutely dreading what those bills are going to be like in the winter months, there's also a moratorium on disconnections for the winter months now, isn't there? It's gone from one month to three months.
4: Yep. so that's the sort of Christmas disconnection moratorium. So that's that's increased, as you say, over that Christmas period up to a few months. Um, and then there's also a, a wider m- moratorium for customers who are registered on the vulnerable um, customer register. Um, so that's increased as well. But so that's the people who are particularly vulnerable to disconnection during the winter months due to age or for health reasons. And for that vulnerable um, service register, people need to contact their supplier and sign up to it proactively.
2: Okay. only yesterday I spoke with one of our local uh, food bank uh, coordinators, you know, and she was just talking about the huge rise in new families coming to uh, to them for for help with uh, with food. And like one of the points she made was a lot of families, particularly ones that are really struggling and fixed income and low income families with the rising cost in energy and people desperate to keep the lights uh, on, people are saving by not spending on food.
4: Yeah, that that's true, and that is something that um, that we also see at SVP is that when people do have that limited amount of money to spend in the week, it comes down to these really difficult choices between okay, so if I'm going to put money on the prepay meter I'm going to have to cut back on food. I'm going to have to cut back on you know the quality of food that I buy, um, so people are left with these choices um, where you know you get to the end of the week and 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 the choice has to be made, and that's the kind of situation that we need to avoid getting worse, we need to avoid putting people in that position over the winter which is why we need to see the announcements from government in the budget at the end of this month that um, social welfare rates are going to be increased to meet the cost of living, the fuel allowance is going to be increased to reach all those who need it so that people aren't faced between that choice between um, the food or having you know enough energy to have hot water and have a shower and things like that.
2: God, Izzy, but there's so much hinging on this budget at the end of the month, isn't it? I was was only talking earlier with businesses. I mean, they're desperately, some businesses hanging on by their fingernails, waiting for that budget. Uh, Is there going to be enough help available?
4: Well, we we really hope so. And we we do hope there is a recognition in that government of the scale of support that households need. They need to be able to keep up with the cost of living and the, and the increases we've seen across energy, but also across the increasing price of food, the increasing price of transport. So we need to see that recognition in, in the budget and the targeted support to households and families who just otherwise aren't going to be able to find that, that money to meet to keep up with the cost of living.
2: Yeah, I mean, here's a, a, a texter a listener listening to uh, Izzy saying, Hi, Patricia, I know exactly how people feel. I have everything electric in my house. I'm absolutely dreading the winter as it is. We are struggling to put food on the table. I've often ended up eating nothing or else I'll just eat what the kids their leftovers uh, if the electricity goes up any more uh, we'll simply just be putting on extra clothes to try to keep ourselves warm because we certainly won't be able to put on the heaters I am a carer uh, full time carer with a child with a disability that's the reality isn't it Izzy for a lot of people
4: yeah it is and you know it's difficult to hear that and that's the sort of thing that uh, the sort of situation where our members are supporting people at SVP too and I would just say to to people to try and access the support that's out there to get in touch with their supplier to see if you are eligible for that vulnerable services register, to get in touch with MABS, to get in touch with the Social Welfare Office, to your local SVP conference and, and try and get the support that is out there.
2: Yeah, there certainly is uh, support available. And I know yourselves at uh, SVP, uh, it was reading, I it was only yesterday, your helpline calls are up by about 20% at this at this time of the year.
4: Yeah, so our, our numbers are up around 20% 20% for the year and winters you know it would it would usually be our busiest time so it it's already been a busy year and uh, yeah we're, it will be a busy winter as well
2: Yeah, donate if you can please to VDP because you do fantastic work Listen uh, Izzy we leave it there thank you for that and thank you for joining us on the programme Thanks very much. Good morning to you. That is Izzy Petrie, Research and Policy Officer with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text WhatsApp to 0862 Cork today on
0: C103. Text or WhatsApp
1: Patricia with your comment.
0: 086
2: 2103 103. Now, Cork Kerry Community Healthcare has partnered with Mallow Chamber, Cork County Council, Sea Change, and Shine to present Together at the Castle. It's a mental health and wellbeing event for the local community happening next Sunday between 1 and 5 pm in the afternoon at Mallow Castle. To preview the event, I'm joined by Martin Ryan, a Martin is the HSE Suicide Resource Officer. Good morning to you, Martin.
6: Good morning, Patricia.
2: You? I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, I spoke only last week with a sea change about their Green Ribbon campaign, say, which yeah. is dedicated, of course, to ending mental health stigma. Events yeah. like this, Martin, is that exactly what you're trying to do? You're trying to normalise the conversation around mental health.
6: Well, yeah, I suppose that I'm currently at the, the Hibernian Hotel where we're actually launching the Green Ribbon campaign at the moment. And I suppose we, we felt that certainly that together at the castle is is a great example, Patricia, of community coming together really to support the concept around mental health. And that 'cause because every time we think about mental health, we always think about you know, in lists and, you know, the differences in that sense. But we should also uh, promote the idea of recovery and hope as well at the same time, you know. So that's mm-hmm. the idea of it really.
2: And many people are slow to admit that they they are indeed one of their family members is struggling with uh, mental mm-hmm. health. But am I right, I you think the younger generations seem to be getting better about opening up?
6: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, when we go from generation to generation, there's that sense of... Being okay with talking about different issues around mental health, for instance. Um, and I agree with you, people are getting a bit more freer around that. But that, that's not to say that we can't. Um, I think it's important that we keep the momentum up, you know, yeah. um, because I think it's important that we stigma, sadly, is alive and well. And I think it's something that for all of us to keep track of and keep, keep uh, targeting and tackling as well.
2: Yeah, cause I've, and the reason I mentioned the young people was I was watching the TV last Friday when the Leaving search results came out. And there was a group of students at some school up the country being interviewed on, on one of the, the national news programmes. Yeah. And one of the young girls, very openly, you know, surrounded by her peers, said, well, I, I really battled with my mental health during the yeah. last... Year. And I just thought, isn't that fantastic that she feels so relaxed on national television to be able to say it. And you could see her friends around her. Nobody flinched, nobody batted an eyelid. It's like, oh, yeah, Mary battled with her mental health, but she's okay now. And I just thought, oh, goodness, we need all generations to be as open uh, and all young people to be able to to talk like that. Okay, so tell me what is planned for next uh, Sunday, Martin.
6: Well, Sunday, I suppose, look, it's, it's a great example, as I said, for a community to come together. We're thankfully t- partnering very, very closely with the Mallow Chamber of Commerce, uh, Sharon Gregg, and County Council and ourselves. And Look, we've an amazing venue here in Mallow in the context of the castle. And we just felt that, you know, I suppose engaging with all the services. So we have a lot of information services, uh, the community-based services that are going to be on the day, there's pamphlets, leaflets and information. Um, and the other key point is we have bands and music, we have circus we have kinderama, we have face painting, we've got foods and stalls. I suppose what we're trying to
0: do,
6: I suppose, is promote that concept of a family fun event that we shouldn't have. That mental health is part of that conversation, um, and we should, as you said from the outset, it's about normalising that be, that conversation and to see that. Just because we have music and circus and fun and everything else that mental health is about promoting the positive mental health side of it as well,
2: so people going along on Sunday will be able to find out services and help that's available locally because many people mightn't be aware of what's available locally yeah.
6: and that's it, Patricia, because I mean often we we're all guilty of that though, aren't we? The idea that you know when we 're looking for a service we we never tend to look at our own doorstep really you know that type of way, so I just think that the feedback and the response that I've got back, certainly from a lot of the community-based services, we have well over 50 different types of services that are going to be coming on the day. And we have everybody from the likes of MAPS, from the likes of Licaela services, from, you know... So I, I think, in fairness, the youth services, CDYS, and so, so they're all going to be coming on the day as well, So which is an amazing, uh, uh, I suppose... It's amazing to see uh, you know, the representative of local services that are there on this. Thing. It's going to be, I, from my point, it would be the biggest thing I'm worried about. Patricia. the weather, it make it, just the weather. <laughs> <laughs> we can control a lot, but we can't control the weather. Uh, hope, so, hopefully,
2: this wet weather we have at the moment will have will have well, well passed. hopefully,
6: hopefully. We, I, I'm encouraging everybody. Look, unless unless there is thunder and lightning, we're going ahead. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. It's important that we do that because. Right. The amount of effort that went in behind this, I think it's important to recognise that as
2: well. Listen, we're well used to weather, put on the wellies and the raincoats, and, and, defi- and the one thing about this country is, when it stops, then the sun, will, the sun, the sun will that, come out.
6: And look, at the end of the day, look, I, I know that, look, I'm I living in a Mallow myself, Patricia, so I'm well aware that I wanted to make sure that for our community, in the North community, that we have something to showcase who we are. Mm. You know, and I think this, I mean, as I said, the castle itself, what a venue to have.
2: Stunning, and, stunning. And yeah. I'm, I'm really
6: hoping that we can, I suppose, use this as a template to go around to different towns in, 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 in our county to showcase what services we have. I think it's really important to recognise that.
2: And very much a family day, Martin. You want all ages to, to come absolutely, along. Absolutely,
6: absolutely. I mean, it's it's funny the other day I was talking to, a, a, I suppose, a, a very young, young child. She was, I'd say, no more than five, and I was telling her that, you know, Kinder, Kinder Am is coming, and she was just so excited. Do you know what I mean? So I just think that. So when you think about a family event, we've everything there for the family in the sense of, as I said, information, you know, we've got, as I said, circuses, music, food, if you want to just come up for a cup of coffee. I know with the new park, New Children's Park, that's adjacent to the Castle Park area at the back. I mean, what a, it's a great addition to the park facilities as well,
2: you know. so I I have to ask um, you, and I can see text coming in, who's Kinderama?
6: <laughs> well, if you look up kinderama.ie, you can yeah. see it there. You know, it's it's a it's it's an online parent support and and, and creative arts. Isn't you it? know, so yeah, it's amazing, yeah. and and that's the thing you see, Patricia. It's really about. There's so much so much creativity going on in our community right across the board. And this is about showcasing as much as we possibly can in this. And this is the first year we're, we're trying this. So I think that, yes, of course, we will do things we'd like to do things better and, and bigger and all that. But we wanted to try and see how it works out this year and to see exactly where we go.
2: Well, well I, done, I, well done.
6: I really want to just acknowledge, and I think it's important that I do this, that Acknowledge the local businesses and the Mallard Chamber and for the County Council to come on board with us. It's fantastic to have that partnership on on, on board as well.
2: Because the real message uh, when it comes to mental health and people struggling with mental health, Martin, the real message is help is available and recovery is possible.
6: Absolutely. And and, look, I often say to people when I speak, whether it be on radio print or otherwise, the hardest thing to do in our lives is to reach out and ask for help, particularly when we're vulnerable. So I just want... All I wanted to do on the day, really, is about the idea of going, look, there is hope there and there is recovery there and there are many people out there who will actually... Had experience in their life and and are able to manage their lives in a very very productive way as well. You know, okay. so it's, it's it's great. It's it's. I'm hoping it'll be a very very fun and enjoyable event. That's the whole point.
2: Okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, we wish we wish you luck with it. Next, and, uh, so, it. and it's a free free event. Cost absolutely free. Totally
6: free. Absolutely free. I mean, certainly there will be food stalls there they can have their cups of coffee and, if they, and that's obviously they could pay us their own cup of coffee and, and whatever but I just think that for the for the events the circus that the bands and all that they're all free all, that all the entertainment is free. free absolutely, absolutely.
2: alright and if it's a really fine day you can pack a picnic because the <laughs> castle is a great <laughs> place for picnics <laughs> and if it's not that.
6: a fine day pack an umbrella <laughs> that's it and the wellies <laughs> listen <laughs> the wellies.
2: Martin thanks a million for that we'll let you get back to the launch but all thanks right. for joining us I appreciate Pleasure. it thanks good again. morning yeah. to you bye bye Martin Ryan there HSC Suicide uh, Resource Officer ahead of that Day together at the castle. If you're around Mallow on Sunday between one and five, it certainly will be the place to uh, be. And actually, there's a, an, an apt uh, text in from one of our regular listeners to say, Hi, Patricia, I listened to you yesterday to the lady who wrote to the programme who spoke about her own mental health. Once upon a time, says this re- regular listener, I suffered with severe depression and I actually had persistent suicidal thoughts. Thankfully, now I'm depression free with zero suicidal uh, thoughts it turned around for me by sharing my problems and issues with a trusted and reliable person taking medication and changing it if necessary taking a long official break also helped and getting into the root cause of the problems and i did that through therapy it worked for me thank you for highlighting mental health on the radio and that is signed from a regular listener. Thank you for that and so glad to see that you're doing so well as well and thank you for sharing because that message, that's the message that we need to get out to other people as well particularly people that are in the grips of a depressive episode at the moment that recovery is possible and help is always uh, available and and anyone, uh, you know, battling with suicidal thoughts, people like the Samaritans, always available and they're available. uh, 24 Four seven on their number one one six one two three one one six one two uh three that's the Samaritans, and you can also reach out uh, to the Samaritans via email joe at samarathans.ie and thank you to a huge number of people who contacted us when I mentioned about the lady whose dog who passed, dog died after 16 years much loved pet, died on Sunday and she's wondering about her dog licence because it's due up for renewal and who did she contact and how did she go about it and I was saying I didn't know if you needed to contact the licensing department which is your local authorities if you're in the city it's the city council if you're in the county it is the county council but a number of people said yes you are meant to contact the county council or the city council if your dog are indeed the owner has passed uh, away. But what happens is the details are on the renewal form. So what will happen is for that listener you will get a renewal form in because you said your dog licence is due up as uh, soon and it'll be on that but you will have to return it to let them know that your dog has uh, passed away and lots and lots of people uh, passing on that very same information as I say I was unaware that you actually had to do that but it seems you do need to contact them or I suppose they'll keep sending you out forms uh, to renew your dog licence and then you'll eventually get a knock on the door from the dog warden but then you'll be able to say that your dog had passed away but he'll probably say you were meant to contact us so there you go, wait for the renewal form to come out and then there's a section on it that you can fill in Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. we have news at 12 midday on the way Joe Heffernan not uh, with us today but what we are going to be talking about is the latest survey that's out about our beaches and the amount of litter that was found on our beaches this year and seemingly we're gone backwards we have been doing well this time last year we had started to see an improvement in litter on our beaches and unfortunately that is not the case this year. How do we stop people littering on our beaches? All we'll of that and more coming up afternoon at twelve, Premier League live is back on C103.ie with Trevor Welch this Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sport. We're bringing you live coverage of Fulham versus Chelsea. That's at twelve thirty. Liverpool versus Wolves. That's at three, and then Man City taking on Spurs is the final match at five thirty. That's the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen Saturdays on the C103 app, or indeed, of course, you can go to C103.ie. IE. Okay, a lot of texts and commentary coming in. Let's see if we can get through as much of it as we can. I was talking about the dog licence and how somebody's dog had died and do they need to to contact to say they won't be renewing the dog licence and it turns out you do and people explain that when you get the renewal in part of the form that you can fill it in and send it back but you do need to contact your local authority to say that your dog is no longer with you or if God forbid the owner of the dog has passed away and I'm assuming then you could put a new owner's name down in Instead, that led somebody to say, I never once got a renewal notice for my dog license. And I do have dogs for the past 40 years. I just renew them uh, at the post office. And obviously, I'm assuming do renewals only come out if you haven't renewed it by the date of which the dog license is due? I'm assuming from that text. But there's somebody 40 years, never got a renewal on her dog license, but has never been without a dog license either. Uh, Thank you for that. On other calls and somebody wants to know, can somebody who, this is when we were talking about the free travel pass, can somebody get free travel pass if you're not entitled to a state or a contributory pension that has come in from uh, Pat? Yes, I think you can. I've just checked on who's, how do you qualify for a free travel pass? To get a free travel pass, you've got to be living in Ireland and meet one of the following conditions. And the very first one is you're aged 66 or over. Doesn't say anything about having to have a contributory or non-contributory old age pension. Once you reach the young age now of 66, then you are entitled to your free travel. Now, obviously, uh, people under the age of 66, like somebody on a disability alliance, blind person, carers allowance or um, individual invalidity pension are entitled to it as well. And just by the way, on the free travel pass, something that we only discovered yesterday when we were making an inquiry about something else Um, A lot of people who have free travel at uh, 66, if they're married, if they're married or they're in a partnership, they they get free travel for themselves, plus their spouse or partner. It turns out that when you reach the age of 70, you can change your free travel pass rather than your free travel pass being for you and your spouse or your partner. You can change it to a companion pass because, you know, maybe you might not always be in the situation that you, you want you want to travel with your husband or your wife or your partner. Or you might have somebody else who needs to travel with you to an appointment or whatever. But you can actually get it changed because actually on the public services card, which is your travel pass, you'll see at the top where it says I think it's just FT for free travel. And then it'll have plus if it's a spouse, it'll be plus S. If it's a partner, it's plus P. And if it is companion, it'll be plus C. So I didn't realise that that's for people age 70 and over. You can convert that into a tra- free travel plus uh, companion just in case that is of any use to uh, anyone. Some of those pieces of information we gather up along the way. Okay, lots of people on about the public services card. Can I get to some of the calls in on that? Tim in Cork City says if you want to renew your public services card you go into the offices on George's Key with your old card and then they send you out a new one in a few days time. He said very simple procedure. Yeah, but I think Dan who contacted us, it was Dan in Blarney he reckoned it was inconvenient for, for older people in particular he was saying having to travel into this city and that's why he opted to do it online but then he had a problem doing it online or the person he knew had a problem doing it online with the up, the uploading of the photographs so that's why but yes it does seem to be you do need to make an appointment I'm sure to get it done in the offices for the public services card and they're dotted all over the county if you just If you go in on their website, it'll show you most towns have a place where you can go in and get your public services card. Coleman and says his public service card was out of date and the bus driver, now he has free travel, the bus driver told him your card is out of date. He phoned the number on the card but the number was discontinued. So he wrote the address on the card with a photocopy of the card. He then got a new one in the post within the week. He did the same thing with his driver's licence. They sent him a form already filled in for him to sign send it back and within the week he got his new driver's licence so he says there's a lot to be said for writing letters good on you Colm certainly whatever about the public services card I've never heard of anybody doing that and renewing their driving licence that way which might be a way out for one of our listeners to say, Liz. So, does anybody know how do you re- renew a driving license with a person in hospital? Is there leeway? Well, maybe you can do exactly what Colum and Butterfinn do and write to them with a photocopy of the driver's license and explain what is going on. You also can renew your driving license online, and that could be done from a hospital bed. Have you know somebody come in with you and take the photographs and all of that. So that is another option. But try writing because it worked for our. Uh, column. And then on the photographs for the public services card with uploading it by doing it online, Mary says, Patricia, I, w- I had to take six photographs before they finally accepted one for the public services card. It was jolly annoying says Mary. I'm sure it was and then two li- listen to these two texts. They literally came in back within a minute of each other kind of back to back up in the system here in front of me. One says Patricia one of my parents public services card had to be renewed recently and they had to go into their local social welfare office. My parents are in their 80s. They were put through 45 minutes of ridiculous questions which they already knew the answers to because they were only renewing the public services card. Nothing had changed. It was just a renewal. It wasn't a newly issued card. It was a nightmare says this listener. And then Mary literally within the minute of that text coming in this one comes in saying mary says i went to my local social welfare office they took my pps number and i had my new card within 7 to 10 days absolutely no problem with my photo and that's from mary isn't that strange two completely different experiences of going to renew a public services card just it does it depend on the local authority or the the social welfare office that you go to and how busy they are but 45 minutes for somebody to get a renewal of, of a form whatever about the initial one even the initial one would you really have to have that many questions answered with 45 minutes of interrogation even though I have to say that the hobby is going tomorrow to renew his driving licence and he doesn't ha- have a public service service card. We do, we've been, we do a lot of that online. Like we've renewed passports online and you know, got the photograph right and all of that. We didn't have any problem. But he can't renew his public... He can't renew his driving licence online because in order to renew it online, he needs a public service card and he doesn't have one of those. So he has to go in in person. Now, I have to say, it was a very simple procedure to go online and book... A slot. He's a slot booked. I think for nine o'clock uh, tomorrow morning. But then he, we were going through the list of what he needs to bring with him. Now this is just to renew a driving license, and I swear to God, I was waiting for them to say you need to have a copy of your leaving certificate results because the amount of things that he need, like like proof of his address, trying to find a bill that came in the last six months. With the name and address on it and then trying to work out a lot of the bills aren't in his name. A lot of the bills are done online so we didn't have a copy that he could bring in with him and then he had to have proof of residence and it just, I mean yeah, there was there was, was, was a job of work. I think four items he needs to bring in. And five, actually, because he needs his driving licence as well in his old driver's licence in order to get it uh, renewed. So, yeah, they, they do seem to make a lot of work for people and indeed for themselves. 103 103. and then Kate was on wondering about the Echo newspaper she said she's noticed firstly in the last two weeks it doesn't have the free ads section and she said this morning she couldn't find it on any of the shelves anywhere she went to in Mallow and she's wondering what's going on, on and is it no longer available well I, I, we get a bundle of newspapers from O'Keefe's newsagent the wonderful O'Keefe's newsagent at the lower end of Main Street in Mallow and we got an Echo this morning so it certainly was available in Mallow Kate if anyone here keeps them whether they're all gone or not but I don't know why maybe they were delayed were they delayed with delivery I've I've no idea what the the issue was there but certainly the echo isn't gone and, and it is available today because I had a good read through it this morning before I came online and then Nora says help Please. I recently got my second COVID booster, but I accidentally deleted the email containing the up to date certificate with the QR code on it. How do I get it reissued? Many thanks, uh, regular listeners, as Nora. Great job. Okay, the first thing I would suggest is if you go into your deleted section of your emails, I'm forever deleting emails by mistake I go to delete the one underneath it or the one above it and and I'll be too quick pressing the buttons and I'll delete two and three together so if you go into the deleted section of your email it should be there and failing that if that doesn't work for you then you can request a digital covert certificate you can call them and just explain what happened the helpline number and by God I don't think I've given this number out in quite some time the number hasn't changed though if my memory serves me right it's a free phone number 1-800-807-008, 1-800-807-008. one 800 if you have access to the internet if you just google uh, all I did was google uh, COVID Certificates and you can get straight into loads of links. It's on gov.ie. You'll be able to request one on online. I know the only thing is that when you are applying, it's your most recent certificate only. But people will say, why would you want any of your old ones? And just actually on that, the booster certs. They, I got my booster. Uh, myself and Brendan, my husband, we both went together. We got them on Saturday at uh, Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow. And actually, Peter Weedle was saying the, c- the certificates come out pretty quickly. You'll get them. And obviously, we would given them all. All the details were contained on the form. They had our email address. And last night, we both got our up-to-date COVID certificates. So they're very quick at uh, sending them out because there initially had been the problem when the first certificates came out we had endless problems with people either there was something wrong the name was wrong on it I know in Marcia's case her name was wrong on it as well and that's partly my own fault she got her Covid certificate under the name of Marsha but her official name is Maria and because obviously we had ad- adopted Marsha from Belarus we spelled Maria the Russian way M-A-R-I-Y-A and, and I still stick to my guns that I felt it was the right thing to do to honour her heritage but we've come across more problems with that over the years because obviously all of her official d- documents are M-A-R- I Y A Maria Uh, like things like her passport and then when you get a passport and you're getting tickets for a flight it all has to match and then we realised the COVID certificate had to match because needed to correspond with the passport for any flight that we were taking her on so I had to get the COVID certificate changed out it was easy to do it but it was just all a bit at the time you're going oh for god's sake not not again so and that was the number that we were constantly sending people to do for problems with their COVID certificate that one 800 807 008. so Nora Give them a call. But as I say, the easiest thing for you to do right here and now is go into your deleted emails and the email should, should still be there because I'm assuming you've just recently deleted it. I don't know how long they stay in the deleted folder, but if it's only in the last couple of days, it definitely should be there. Uh, give, give that a try. First, it will be the easiest. 0818 A couple of people then on prepaid power that we spoke about earlier on. One Kilworth listener says, as a past very unhappy prepaid power customer, I was never told that there there was a charge with the meter. My texts every few days to top up by 20 euro I thought it was very very expensive over the few months that I had it installed so I ended up getting it uh, removed now this listener goes on to explain that there was a problem there seemed to be a problem with the meter in that he was putting in the 20 euros and then it wasn't getting recognised and he ended up getting overcharged now he did get all of his money back but it took quite some time but then he said he went back to paying for his bill the normal way and the reason that he signed up day one for the prepaid power meter was he thought he was signing up for a smart meter not as a prepaid uh, customer and he only realised it when it got installed but he he seemed to have had a bit of a problem trying to get out of it he ended up having to go to solicitors but but that I mean I'm assuming that was something to do with contract. but he did get out of it in the end but there's somebody that wasn't happy with that prepaid power and it was one of the things that I did mention when I had, when I spoke with the Societies of Vincent de Paul, it is one of the more expensive ta- tariffs if you're on prepaid power, unless you're identified as one of the hardship. You've got one of the hardship measures, which is somebody who normally uh, had a lot of has a lot of back bills that have to be paid, arrears that have to be paid. But generally speaking, it can be a more costly way to pay for your electricity. But it works for so many people who prefer it, even if they're paying a little bit more, they prefer to pay it that way rather than a massive bill coming the end of two months and actually Tom was on to say just to say we changed over to a prepaid electric meter a few years ago and I could not but highly recommend it. Yes you do get cut off if the meter runs out but you can clearly see the meter so you know how much you have uh, left so you're able to top up in, in time. It would only be if you were in dire financial straits that you would get cut off if you had no money to top it up and also, the the one thing also with the prepaid electric meters, you'll never get cut off at the uh, weekend, and they make it as easy as possible. For example, says Tom, you can top up on your phone. So he says he would never go back to paying bills every two months. He has no regrets. Thank you for that. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Bernie is taking your calls. You can text. You can WhatsApp. Oh eight six two.
0: 103
4: 103 The C103 Cork Diary
0: with Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie
2: And a reminder to you that the the Can Talk Cancer Support Group they're in, they're returning with in room uh, bereavement support groups it's for any adult who has been bereaved by cancer now it can be a recent bereavement it can be a bereavement that happened uh, many many years ago you're invited along to these support groups and they're now going back to they've been doing them over Zoom during COVID so they're having meetings in September, October, November and December they'll be holding meetings in Formoy Community Resource Centre on McCurtain Street and if you're in Mallow they meet at La in Fair Street in Mallow if you would like to book a place and would like to get involved in that bereavement support group for any adult bereaved by cancer, you can call or text them at 089-239-0863, or you can email cantalk15 at gmail.com. And the Mitchestown Girl Guides, they're holding an information evening in the Forest Hall tonight between half past six and half past seven. Now it's with the view of reopening the ladybirds for this very smallies, the brownies and the girl guides, it offers. A varied and exciting programme from girls and young women aged from 5 to 26. There's opportunities for leaders also of all ages. Liz, is your contact? 087 768 9875. And Dukas Connakilty as part of the recent National Heritage Week, Dukas Clonacilty's Heritage commissioned a 30-minute YouTube video. Now, it's on the history of Timely with a special emphasis on the history of the famous abbey that dominates the village, as well as the Church of Ireland church building and the Catholic Church. There are a number of other interesting snippets of information also relating to the War of Independence period in the locality. Researched and narrated by Dermot Kingston and Michael O'Mahony, the video is described as being of top quality and is now free to watch. You simply type in Dukas Clonacilty Heritage on YouTube and select the YouTube 2022 video that's available now to all. Shambali Moore Bingo is on tonight, 7 o'clock, with a jackpot, €2,700. All are welcome. And the monthly Mass in honour of St Pio, that'll be held in St Joseph's Church in Lismire, tomorrow night at 8. Again, all are welcome court today on C one oh three.
4: Call Patricia with your comment.
2: 103, 103 Now let me just go to some of your calls still coming in, still getting a lot of calls in uh, between the public services card and the driving licence and the renewal of same Doni and Mallet was on to say he tried to get a public services card so that he would be able to renew his driving licence online. He tried the Tralee office as so he has a holiday home in Tralee and he happened to be on holidays at the at the at the time. So he went into the Tralee office and said can I make an appointment here to get a public services card and they said whoa not possible not possible because you live in Mallow so they said you'd have to go back to Mallow and get your public services card there in uh, Stead he said that is a ridiculous situation if somebody is working in Dublin they'd have to come all the way back to Mallow just to get a public services uh, card he ended up not bothering with the card and just went and renewed his driving licence in Tralee and he was able to do that by making an appointment with the driving licence section in uh, Tralee Uh, like they can do it for one card but they can't do it for the other it really doesn't make sense Colette in the Social Welfare Office in Newmarket listening to us thank you Colette for this uh, she was on and for people who've discovered that the public services card is out of date if they don't want to go into the office themselves she said simply ring your local social welfare office with your PPS number which will be on your public services uh, card written in very small writing though I have to say and they will be able to renew it over the phone so the, the guys and gals working in the public public in those offices are really are doing uh, fantastic work. Someone else was on about this as well. Let me go back and see. There was more in about the public services card and about free travel. Now Anne was on to say, Patricia, free travel. Yesterday I discovered that my husband's senior smart pass had expired on December the 20th. Now I'm a Senior smart pass is that the same or is that different to the free travel? I'm a, I, I need to find out what this is about anyway. And discovered if the person doesn't use the smart pass, then you're not automatically sent out an updated smart pass. You then have to fill in an application form to get a new one issued. Anne says people could easily get caught out with an out-of-date pass if they decide to travel north. So I assume that the senior smart pass is for travelling north, is it? Uh, it says Anne and the smart pass then is valid for five years. So just to make people aware of that, if they didn't use their senior smart pass and it has expired, you won't automatically be sent out another one or you won't probably even be told that it's out of date. So you do need to check that. Hi, Patricia. I renewed my public services currently in my local social welfare office in Formoye. Great experience, so fast, so courteous. I got my new card in the post within a week. Delighted with the service. Well done, take a bow, everybody in for more. That's from uh, Sheila. Hi, Patricia, when, you renew, when, you, when I renewed my driver's licence, there was a different photo on it. Uh, they used my photo from my PPS uh, card. Yeah, you see, if you have your public services card, you can renew your driving licence. I didn't realise that. They're using, if it's a, an up-to-date photograph, I suppose they're able to actually do uh, that. All right, as I say, it's just some of the calls and texts coming in to do with driving licence and to do with public services cards. And then in the midst of all of the texts coming in, Patricia said, is there any update on the junior search results date, please? We had the leaving search last Friday, which was much later than normal and we know because it's usually around now isn't it the junior cert comes out usually the kids are back in school the first week it's usually the second week then the results come out we get on to the State Examinations Commission junior cert results will be issued on the 4th of October and that's more than two weeks later than usual very same problems that they've had with the uh, leaving cert the changes being made in order to speed up procedure for students who've appealed with the results of their leaving cert exams because obviously those appeals are ongoing at the moment so to anyone who sat the junior cert or someone in the households at the junior search the 4th of October is going to be the date that you are waiting for high energy costs Pat says if a person went into your house and robs it a good judge will say to that person you are a criminal and they put them in jail why are the owners of and the people running the energy companies why are they not being jailed they are robbing us God help Ireland from the pillars of society from Pat who reckons that a lot of the energy companies are making a lot of uh, profits on reducing our carbon emissions. Liz says this is when I mentioned that one of the experts said that Cork needs a light rail system. And if we did that, it would reduce our energy, our carbon emissions. But I was making the point how long would that take? Liz says all the Cork needs are much more park and ride facilities and shuttle buses. We simply don't have enough of them. Hi, Patricia. It wasn't that long ago that Eamon Ryan was advising people to go smokeless by installing peat pellet stoves. But then they withdrew the grants for them. Uh, Are wood pellets no longer seen as green energy? And when it comes to my opinion on climate uh, change, if you cycle your old if you cycle like old people once did, remember disasters like floods and storms, they were always happening. But because news travels so fast across the world, we're hearing about them more now. They happened many years ago, but because we didn't have the information highway that we have now, um, Years ago, we just didn't get to hear about all of those disasters because if they actually happened at the time, uh, by the time the news got you, people had almost forgotten about it. So it's to do with all of the information that we have at the moment is the reason that we talk so much about disasters. And Heidi, on the price of the barrel of oil, Heidi is somebody who watches the barrel of crude oil. Last Friday, it was $87 a barrel, way down from what it was couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, when it was at $125 a barrel, we really should be seeing the petrol coming down at the petrol stations. Heidi said it's not. It goes up like a rocket, but it comes down like a feather. It should also be coming down like a feather. We have to get start getting some sort of relief. They really have to stop punishing us, and that's why everyone, everyone is looking to the budget to see what kind of a help we are going to get. And Patricia Dun Dunmanway got on the bus with her public services card and the card, of course, has her free travel on it. The bus driver says your card's out of date. He, the bus driver, told her, ring the number on the card which was out of use. She then phoned her local office. They issued a new card within a few d- a few days and they just used the old uh, photograph. So there are other ways that you can have your public services card renewed without going in in person or without doing it online. 0818 103 103. Bernie continues to take your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. According to the annual nationwide survey of beaches and harbours, three-quarters of Ireland's beaches and waterways are littered. To discuss the sad and worrying result, I'm joined by Conor Horgan, who is, of course, spokesman for the Irish business against uh, litter. Good afternoon to you, Conor. Uh, hello again, Patricia. Now, Conor, this is awful news because not just littered, four were deemed heavily littered, including
0: two here in Cork. Yes, I mean, just to put a perspective on it, Patricia, though, even though it is disappointing news that, you know, 33 areas surveyed, only eight of them were deemed clean, the great majority fall into the category beneath clean, which we call moderately littered. So, you know, I'm not pretending that they're very heavily littered or that there's an acute litter problem. They're just not as clean as they should be. We found that particularly with beaches and, you know, a trend that was very evident was that our most popular beaches were clean last year. I'm talking about La Hinch, Strand Hill, Port Marnock, Curriclo in Wexford and so forth. And they have all fallen to moderately littered. Hard to explain why exactly. But again, I'm, I'm not suggesting that they are litter black spots, but... It's a disappointment, clearly, that our, our most popular beaches are not as clean as they have as they should be. As you say, four lit- areas heavily littered. That's an increase on in last year, and again, we have unfortunately two areas from Cork: there, Cork Harbour at Blackrock Castle and White Bay Beach, and they were both heavily littered last year. Also,
2: and then we had three deemed uh, littered.
0: That's right. I mean, altogether, it was a poor picture for Cork, I'm afraid. There were six areas surveyed. Uh, One of them, Castletown Bear, was deemed moderately littered. All the others were in the lower echelons of our rankings. Um, Ballinacurra, Bantry and Kinsale were littered. And as I say, heavily littered. Cork Harbour at Blackrock Castle and White Bay Beach. So certainly not good news for the county.
2: What are the most commonly discarded items that were found?
0: Um, it depends. Uh, typically along our beaches you're talking about uh, sweet wrappers, you're talking about plastic bottles. Um, I've spent a lot of time talking about cigarette butts over the last day, Patricia. That may sound like a, a minor litter item, but when we talk about coastal litter and we've spoken about on this programme before, we're also we're not just talking about the visual impact. We're talking about the environmental impact whereby cigarette butts enter our oceans and contaminate our oceans and threaten sea life so they're uh, far from harmless they were the most prevalent litter item and um when we when we look at cork harbor and at white bay beach we're really talking about dumping so again we're talking about items like car tires strollers industrial waste um you know very unseemly items and the, you know the picture that's painted in both of those areas is is an unseemly one
2: And didn't we see improvements when I spoke to you this time last year? Weren't we celebrating improvements?
0: Yes we were and you know some of those improvements when it comes to our beaches have been reversed though not entirely because as I say they've fallen to moderately littered they've slipped but not as bad as what they were but um, it, it is true and you know Patricia we were expecting to be honest with COVID litter we're talking about masks and gloves disappearing and Alcohol-related litter on the wane as well some of that was related to lockdown. We had hoped that we'd have a, a better result this time around than last year um, yeah I know what, we had a fairly good summer, so yeah. these areas would have been fairly fairly uh, well frequented but on um, and all that just added to the disappointment we had we had less staycationing this year with people going abroad that should have meant cleaner coastal areas, but for whatever reason it wasn't the case.
2: Yeah, and I know whenever we speak with any of our wonderful Tidy Towns uh, volunteers, they certainly have seen an increase in, like, the disposable coffee cups.
0: Yes, uh, no doubt. I mean, and I think I had the same message when we spoke about our, our land survey not so long ago, Patricia, that whereas COVID litter is disappearing, coffee cups seem like they're here to stay. And that practice of enjoying coffee in the great outdoors seems a pretty permanent one unfortunately those coffee cups are landing on the ground and whatever debate we may have about recyclable cups and coffee cup levies and so forth it means nothing if they don't end up in bins and they're not ending up in bins they're ending up on the ground
2: Okay you mentioned cigarette butts the listener wants to know would you ask Connor? do we need to ban cigarette smoking at our beaches? They did that in Spain didn't they during the summer?
0: Yes, they it did. Um, well, it's going to be hard to please, isn't it? It's okay introducing these these uh, ideas. I mean, we're not on for banning cigarettes per se. You might say, cigarettes, then where do you stop? I mean, you know, any of the uh, coastal towns maybe should have a ban on cigarettes because they'll enter the waterways quite easily. But, you know, I think it's time as we evolve as a nation that we look to different ways to dispose of our cigarettes um And I've had these discussions, like there's suggestions put forward that a cigarette box might include a chamber where you could store the butts
2: okay.
6: and bring them
0: home and then get rid of them and uh Unfortunately, at the moment, I think the idea of retaining your butts and bringing them home or disposing of them properly it sounds like something that's beyond us, and you know I think if you float the idea, it would probably be met with derision. But we need to think differently about cigarette butts. They're very harmful um, and uh, we need to come up with these solutions. And I'm just surprised that around the world, actually, we're not seeing any sense of uh, change when it comes to cigarette
2: butts. Because the consequences of marine litter on our our planet, it's not like they don't have effects.
0: No, that's right. And I mean, uh, there's, you know, we have we have lots of clean areas. But there's rarely areas where you don't find cigarette butts. The idea of of dropping a cigarette butt, it just doesn't seem to be a big offence compared to, say, dropping a plastic bottle. Um, But but yes, it's single-use plastic as well. Apart from the toxins in it, which contaminate the water, it's single-use plastic. The filter is. And, uh, you know, there's 10 million tonnes of plastic ending up in our oceans each year. Much of that is from litter. And uh, I think I mentioned before a chilling statistic within 30 years, there'll be more plastic in our oceans than fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a
2: frightening, frightening statistic. It's frightening.
0: And of course, those fish are ingesting the broken down plastic. So, in turn, we're eating fish that have been eating plastic. So, need I say more?
2: OK, someone else wants to say, when you're talking about rubbish, Patricia, on the programme today, what about the, all the rubbish that was left behind at Electric Picnic, the festival at the weekend from our wonderful young people? There isn't a word about that. Actually, I saw a piece on the Irish Times this morning where they were talking about, um, but it happens at every festival, uh, doesn't it? I mean, it's shameful, but but, but it, it, it happens. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see an end to the waste that's left no, behind after no, festivals. No, no, and I
0: suppose it's... Um like and it doesn't make it at all right but i think there was an article in the times about people with a broken tent why would i bother bringing it home it's broken yeah and um, i think that's a case where you know they expect the uh, organizers to look after their rubbish so i probably see it as slightly different from you know littering or dumping though it's pretty similar but you know they expect that whatever items they leave at electric picnic Will be the responsibility of the organizer, and
2: it shouldn't Isn't be. Yeah, it's personal no. responsibility. What about leaving, A- leaving, no, leaving? No, no trace. And Leave I, no I, trace. and because we had some gorgeous weather this summer and every time I was at the beach that was the one thing no matter who we were with there was always this thing Leave No Trace and whatever picnic or whatever we brought with us we made sure everything was, was picked up and taken away with us and I was watching other families and you could really see some families were really making an effort and, and the children were great at, at picking up the rubbish but we just need more people doing it. We
0: knew, And I think you know I, I just it strikes me that if you're a frequent visitor to a beach in good weather, you'll know there won't be the bins to take your rubbish. You only need to go to the beach a few times to realise that. So, you know, you surely must then take on the habit of allowing that you're going to bring home the rubbish that you brought, bring home the uh, the rubbish that you brought with you. So, look, in time, hopefully, things will will improve.
2: Yeah, and Liz says less bins mean more rubbish, putting the responsibility back on the local authority. But then when they do have bins installed, there's all rubbish. If somebody goes to the bin and the bin is full, they just leave the rubbish beside it.
0: Yeah, it's a mixed picture. Like, I mean, you see some areas they put in temporary bins and that sounds like a good idea. Um, But if those temporary bins are left there for a period... They'll only attract household uh, dumping, which makes things worse. But, I mean, unfortunately, it's the situation that local authorities will not be agile when it comes to responding to the needs of a coastal environment. So from one day to the next, we have a lovely summer's day, everyone decides to go to the beach. The local authority typically can't act quickly enough to cater for those numbers. That would mean having a temporary bin on site within a number of hours and taking it away then immediately thereafter. We don't see that. It's not easy for the local authority to, to act with that agility. Okay, if um, they could, yeah. things would be better.
2: Yeah, and we have to give a shout out to the wonderful volunteers who do beach cleans with Clean Coast. I mean, Ballinamona, uh, uh, Clean Coast are, are one fantastic group that we often talk about on the programme. And it has to be soul-destroying for all those volunteers to go out <laughs> and clean up beaches to hear a survey like this.
0: Well, you know, I was in touch with Prunchy, so two of them great great work there at White Bay Beach. And I think he was saying yesterday that only a couple of months ago they collected, was it a tonne of rubbish? Yeah. Yeah. And then we come along and do our survey and we're saying the place is as bad as ever. Uh. I like, that's disheartening.
2: Ah, It is indeed. Listen, um, Connor, we'll speak again in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good, good afternoon to you. That is Conor Hor- Horgan, who is spokesperson for the Irish business against litter. That's where I leave you for today. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at th- 10. Thanks to Bernie for producing.
5: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more.